All right, if you have your Bibles, would you open with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? We're in uh, 2 Corinthians. We're in the series of messages entitled New in 42. And the reason we call it New in 42 is that we are learning and reading together the story of the church that changed the world. That's the church that we read about in the New Testament. It starts in the book of Acts and leads all the way through the book of Revelation. It's reading through that whole half of the New Testament together as a church. And in 42 days, we're not just learning the story, but we want that story to become our story. We want to be the church that changed the world. So we're learning key principles of what we're reading in God's word. We have incredible groups that are meeting and experiencing life change together and I'm so blessed to hear the reports coming back about how communities are coming together, how people are praying for one another, how we are living out that biblical community we talked about last week and so I just encourage you that are a part of groups to continue on strong. Those that haven't yet gotten involved in a group, we want you to get connected to the body and that's one of the greatest ways to do it. So next time we offer groups, make sure that you get involved and experience life together. Uh, We have a couple more books if you're in the midst of the reading and you want to jump in and read it in our New and 42 book, this is the reading uh, all broken down. It's just God's word, scripture, but it's with the chapter and verses removed. We still have some more at the Welcome Center. I'm sorry, at the uh, Special Events Center you could pick up after service. And we just want you to stay strong in your reading and allow God's word to change you as we uh, strive to be the church that changed the world. Let me pray for us now as we get into today's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord that you have not left us alone. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that changes us, that empowers us to live this life. Lord, we thank you that you've called us to be a part of a body, that we are connected to one another and connected to you as our source of life. And we pray today that your word would go forth, that you would change lives, that you would create us, Lord God, in us a heart that loves you, that you would challenge us from your word today, and that as a result of it, we would walk in change and transformation. We'd walk in newness of life that you promise us. And Lord, I pray today for those that have been walking in a way that doesn't honor you, Lord, that don't know you or far from you, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would show them your love, the incredible love that still remains after all these years, that never runs out, that pursues us when we were not to be pursued and that grabs us and catches us right where we are and changes us. Lord, I pray someone today will experience that love in the depths of their heart. Lord, may we leave here changed because of what you alone can do. In your name we pray, amen, amen. All right, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and this is a part of the reading from this week. Uh, This week you're reading all in Corinthians, that's where you've been, and you're reading about a church that, uh, that Paul had visited a group of believers that he visited, as you read in the book of Acts. He started a work there and stayed with them for a considerable amount of time. After that, he left, only to get reports that this group of believers started to uh, really go off the wall. They were uh, demonstrating things in their services that were not uh, what the Lord would want from them. They were living in a way that was contrary to uh, what they believed in Christ. And there was a lot of mess, so much that Paul had to send multiple letters to them to address and correct issues. So uh, he calls them to live according to God's word, not just according to their own fleshly desires. He confronts things that you say, wow, that's crazy that that kind of stuff is happening in a church, but it was happening during Paul's time. See, the church isn't full of perfect people. It's people that have been changed and are on a process and in a journey of walking towards Jesus. And so Paul's confronting that, and he is helping them see 
that this church that changed the world is a church that needed to be corrected by God's word, that doesn't just measure things by their own uh, way of of really uh, judging, but that they have to hold their lives up to God's word and make sure that they're living a life worthy of the calling that they've received in Christ. And something happened here during this this part of the scripture that we're going to be reading today because Paul's addressing and getting at a root of the issue that they're facing. He says this, that, that although they have now have faith in Christ, they had held on too much to their old life, their old way of living, their old customs, their old practices, and they are now trying to incorporate who they used to be into who they are now. And their identity is not just being shaped by what they know of Jesus, but also by their old life and by their sin. And so things are happening in the church that are exciting. The Holy Spirit is moving and there's all kinds of spiritual things happening. But Paul addresses that that isn't the only sign of a healthy church in the church that changes the world. There can be all kinds of demonstrations and all kinds of loud and excitement. But if the heart that's coming up from behind it isn't anchored and rooted in the Lord, then it's all for vain. It's all for naught. He said, then if you're making all that noise, but you don't have the love of God deep in your heart, you're like a clanging cymbal. You're just making a lot of noise, but there's no power behind it. And so he confronts them to correct them about this very reality. It's something that comes forward today that we have to take hold of. Because so often we call ourselves Christians just because we fill a pew or we come to church on Sunday. But if you were on Monday to go and sit in a garage, that wouldn't make you a car, right? If you were to go and sit on a shelf in a store, that doesn't make you a grocery. If, if you, it isn't just about where you are in your proximity to that location. It's about what has happened in the depths of your heart is what makes you who you are. And Paul confronts this very idea and is calling them out. And I pray God's word will call to you today, firmly but in love, inviting you out of who you were and into who he wants you to be. So let's look together in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. This is God's word to us today. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Paul is saying and confronting a root issue in the life of the Corinthian church is that this. They've been holding a little bit too long onto who they used to be, but Jesus has made them new because they are now in Christ. And therefore, let the old pass away because the new has come. And there's newness of life available to them, but they've been carrying some baggage for far too long. Maybe you've been carrying some baggage too for far too long. May today be the day that you let go of it and you walk into what God has for you. How many of you in the last 12 months have taken a flight anywhere in this country or out of this country? Let me see your hands. So we have some different people that have done that. Maybe in the last few years you've been to an airport. And uh, there's one thing that scares me every time I go to an airport. As I'm walking up and I'm going on an extended journey of any type, I walk up and I go to the kiosk and I give them my information. And after they ask me for my identification and they give me my ticket, they ask me for something else, my luggage. And they say, put your luggage on the scale. And how many of you cringe when they say, put your luggage on the scale? Some of you know this. Some of you are innocent bystanders because someone in your family decides that they have uh, too much that they can fit and they want to smuggle some of it into your luggage. And now, and now you're sitting there and you're standing there and they're afraid and you're afraid. Everyone's afraid. And you set it on there. And I'll tell you what, if it's over 50 pounds, right, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. And they say, we don't care. You say, no, but you don't understand how important that is. They say, no, you have to lose it. 
Anything over 50 pounds, you cannot take with you. If it crosses this threshold, it cannot go on the journey with you. And then you have to really part ways with some things, and it can be very sad if you're caught in that situation. It's very embarrassing because there are just certain things that can't make it on the journey because they will weigh down the luggage. They are going to weigh you down ultimately and hold you back from going where you need to go. The same word comes true to us today that Jesus has invited us into newness of life, that God has us on a journey. And as you come to him and as you decide to follow him with your life, he says the very same thing to you. In an even a, a loving way, he speaks to your heart and he says this, if you want to go where I have called you to go, there are some things that just simply have to be discarded at this point in time. There's a line in the sand. You can carry around that baggage. You can carry around that junk. You can carry around that stuff. But there is a line that you cannot cross inside of an airport still carrying it any longer. The same is true in your walk with God. That maybe you've been carrying around some things, but there is a line that I'm believing God's drawing in the sand today. And for those of you that will see and hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying through God's word, you will see that th this is the point of no return and it's time to let go of some things so that you can enter into who God has called and created you to be. That's what it means to be a new creation. And the church that changed the world lived as new creations. The church was made up of people that lived as a new creation. They didn't just take on that title in word only, but their lives reflected that very reality. They were a new creation in Christ. The old has passed and the new has come. And let us take hold of that again today. What does it mean to be a new creation? There are things that become new in your life, things that the old way is out and the new way is in. We're going to explore today on this Sunday when we're going to celebrate baptisms, three things that become new inside of the life of a new creation so that we might strive to be that people, that church that changed the world. The first thing that is new is there is a new imperative that comes into the life of a believer. Someone that is in Christ, there's a new imperative. And you say, well, that isn't a word that I'm very familiar with. But an imperative is nothing more than something that demands your attention, something that cannot be negotiated, something that is an absolute obligation or requirement. And so there is now a new imperative in the life of someone that says, I am a believer in Jesus. It's something that now calls you to a new way of living. It's a new way. It cannot be ignored. It cannot be uh, walked around. It cannot be sidetracked. It is something that's absolute and necessary if you're going to embrace this new creation life. And Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 18. It says, Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us, catch that word there, he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. That if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, and everything he has now comes from God, and one of those things that comes from God is a new imperative. It's a new ministry. It's a new role. It's a new way to live. And it's with this, the ministry of reconciliation. That word reconciliation means to bring that which is broken back into right mending. It means to bring together what has been broken apart. What has been separated has been now made whole. That we have been reconciled. It now lines up. It is now connected. It is now made right. 
in what he says we have received. We are the recipients, and we have also been now entrusted. We are the representatives of. We are the recipients of the ministry of reconciliation. That means this, that Jesus has changed our lives, that we were dead in our sins, but because Jesus died and rose again, our lives have been changed and we have been made right with God. We now can have a relationship with him, that our sins can be forgiven, that we don't have to walk in the shame and guilt of the past, but today if we're a new creation, we have been reconciled to God. We have relationship with him. That's why we can sing. That's why we can celebrate. That's why we can be full of joy when there's darkness in this world because we are his children. We are in right relationship with God again. So with that, doesn't just come us receiving that gift, but we have now been given the responsibility to share that with others. We have been given the word of reconciliation, and it says he's committed it to us. In the same way that someone would come and entrust you with a certain responsibility, you have been entrusted now with this word. The word that has changed you is meant to be used by you to share with others so that their lives can be changed. That's what changed lives, changing lives is all about, is that the same word that has come and shaped your life and transformed you and, and showed you that God has a better way and there's freedom in the name of Jesus is a word that you've been entrusted to share with others. That's the imperative. That's the command. It's the same command Jesus gave to his disciples and everyone who would follow him. He said this, Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Go and bring people into a life-changing relationship with me. Go and share the good news of what I have done, that I've overcome death, that there's hope in the name of Jesus. And as you do that, I'm with you, Jesus promised. That's the imperative. That's the new commission that we've been given. We have a command that we carry out, and it's this, to go out and to share the word of reconciliation, to take part in the ministry of reconciliation so that the whole world would know that Jesus is Lord and Savior. The second thing that comes into a life after that, the new creation isn't just a new imperative, but it's also, it also comes with a new itinerary. And now this right here, this word is something that frightens you if you're traveling. There are four words, and they came to my wife and I this week because we have some travel scheduled for this summer. And they're words that just send a shock through your spine whenever you're having to travel, either for business or going with family on vacation. Your itinerary has changed. And if you know what an itinerary is, an itinerary is basically a planned uh, route or journey. So your itinerary is the plan of how you will travel, where you will go, when you will go, how you will travel. And what happens whenever the itinerary changes is that the plan is all thrown off. Your plan is no longer valid. There is now a new itinerary, a new plan that supersedes it. And you now have to follow that. You can show up all you want with the old itinerary and say, no, no, I was on this flight. They say, no, the itinerary changed. You now have to fly on this flight. And if you're in business and you have meetings, a changed itinerary means that you can miss out on opportunities, means everything can get thrown into defunct, means that everything can get thrown off. If you're going to travel, it means that your plans considerably change. Things that you thought you were going to do, you will no longer be able to do. A change in itinerary is normally scary for many people. 
And what you receive, if you're a new creation, is you receive a new itinerary, meaning you have now been given a new journey, a new route that you are to travel in this life. It's not your old plans anymore. It's not your old way of thinking. It's not your old goals, your old objectives. But now that you're in Jesus, you've been given a new route, a new journey that you are called to walk. There's a new itinerary. And some of us, we don't like that. Because we already mapped out our itinerary. We've already booked every stop along the way. We know where we're going, when we're going, how we're going to do it. But here's what you need to know. At the feet of Jesus, when you come to him and you surrender who you are and you receive the gift of God's grace in your life, one of the things that you surrender is your itinerary. You surrender your plan and your journey. And here's what you say. God, where is it you will have me to go today? Where is it you are calling me? How is it that you are leading and guiding me? That we are now called to go where he has called us to go. And we have to surrender that because it's a part of what it means to be a new creation is that we have a new itinerary. We have a new journey that has been plotted out for us. The old map will not do. It will not lead towards the life that God has for you. You have to remain sensitive to his spirit. You have to remain connected to him through prayer. And as you are discerning and as you're waiting upon the Lord, he will reroute and rework your life in such a way that it'll lead you exactly where he's created and called you to go. But this requires incredible waiting upon the Lord, incredible surrender. But as we read the story of the church that changed the world, don't you see this happening? That as they're going one direction, God opens doors. And as they're going another direction, he closes doors. He doesn't let them go in one direction, even though they thought that was the best ministry. And then he gives vision and says, come over here. There's many people that need to hear about you. If you're not remaining open to the spirit of the Lord speaking to you and rerouting your life, do you know what happens? You're so caught up in your own plan, you're not going where the Lord's called you to go. It doesn't matter if you're going there in his name or not. You have to remain submitted to him. You can't say, well, Lord, this is what the itinerary was and we're just going with it. No, the itinerary can change with the Lord. He gets to do that and we surrender to that and let him lead and guide us along the way. There's a practice that I want to encourage you with that each day as you wake up and you pray before the Lord, get a journal if you don't have one. Get something you could write in for just a week. And as you wake up in the morning, write these words, Lord, where is it you have me to go today? And remain surrendered to the Lord and waiting upon him. And say, Lord, I really surrender my itinerary to you. Lord, may you write the script for my day today. And as you do that, whenever you get to the next day and you're coming back to the word, your journal and in, in the word and prayer, recount over the last day, were there any ways that God had been moving things around for you? Just recount where you were and what doors the Lord may have opened. If you do that for some series of moments and times and days, you will start to see how God is orchestrating your life, how he's opening doors, closing doors, giving you divine appointments all along the way. But don't forget to do that. Don't forget to remain surrendered in your itinerary before him. Let him, let him lead and guide you. Allow the Holy Spirit to reroute even your own plans for his glory. As we do that, God does an incredible work. We have to remember that we're not here on our own mission. We're here for him. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 20. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though Christ were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
there's a word, there's a term that's given. It says, we are ambassadors for Christ. This word ambassador is a diplomat. It's someone that is given a very specific role and function, a very specific calling, that they are sent as representatives from the place that they currently occupy, the place that they currently are a resident, to a foreign place to be a representative of that place and of that person that called and commissioned them to go, and they live now to represent that person. You know what that means? That means that they go where they're called to go. And while they're there, they're in a very specific place for a very specific time for a very specific reason. And the same is true as us. We are ambassadors not for a country, but for the kingdom of God. We're ambassadors for Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And he sends us into this world, and he says this, you go there at such a time as this to be my representative. That when they look at you, you are representing me. They should see me. And they should see a representation of who I am. They should know what I am like. If you are an ambassador from one place to another, you are there embodying the place that you've come from, representing it to the best of your ability. The same has been given to us. We are his ambassadors. And some of you, you disdain where you work today. You disdain the circumstances and situations that you're in. You're frustrated about why nothing changes, and you haven't realized this one truth, you are an ambassador for Jesus right where you are right now. That he has allowed you and even called you to be there for such a time as this to represent him well. And as you do that, there are people who will come to faith in Christ because you are representing him to them. And some of you, don't loathe where you are, don't despise it anymore, but enter in knowing each day, Lord, I'm your ambassador here. And I'm here to help others become reconciled to you. And I'm here through my life to model what it means to have a changed life that's been changed by your love and by your grace forever. That's what our calling is. That's what our role is. That's what our function is. That's what it means to have a new itinerary is that we go where the one who has called us to be an ambassador calls us to go. And we go as he leads and guides us. And there's a final thing that has changed and it's new inside of our life we see that we have a new imperative, a new calling that we walk out. We have a new itinerary and a route and a journey that we are to walk. But we also have a new identification that comes in the life of a new creation, a new identification. And some of you who have different kinds of jobs and different uh, careers, you know what it means to have a new identification. If you are given a badge, that badge comes with a level of clearance and accessibility so that you can go exactly where you're supposed to go. That identification is what makes it right for you to be right where you are. And Jesus has given us an incredible new identity, a new identification in who we are. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We have been given a new identification. We are no longer, this is what God's word says, we're no longer identified by our sin. We're no longer identified by our wrong choices. We're not, no longer identified by who we are, what we've done, and what we can achieve in our own strength and power. We are now identified by the one who knew no sin that became sin for us. We're identified by the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what he's done. 
So it's no longer what we've done. It's not, that's not what identifies us. That's not what marks us. It's what Christ has done for us. So when people see us, when God sees us, he sees the righteousness of God in us because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's a new identification. It's who we are. What Paul says to the church in Galatia as he's speaking to the believers, he says something so powerful in Galatians 2.20. He says this, I have been crucified with Jesus. And I no longer live, but Jesus lives in me. In the life I live, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself up for me so that I can have new life. That's what it means to be a changed life. That's what it means to have a new identification, that we are no longer identified with our old self, but that old self has been crucified with Jesus and he now lives in us, through us. In the life we live, we live by faith in him in him alone, and we walk in the way that he calls us to walk. That's the new identification. That's the powerful moment when Jesus comes and transforms your life. And that new identification is something that people need to see. It's something that people need to recognize. There are only few, a few moments in your life that really change everything about who you are. One of them I can think of is the day that you become married. Because a miracle takes place, as God's word says, that two become one. And in the intimacy of that moment, in the power of that moment, in the miraculous nature of that moment, God does the impossible. He brings together two and that no one could separate them. That transformation, that change is something that happens... It's something that takes place, and guess what? You have people around you, people that you know, people that you love, even yourself. Maybe you have been married, and something happens in that moment that the entire world doesn't get a chance to see. But you know what you do inside of that ceremony? You say, now what token will we bear in our lives to show the entire world of the pledge of this moment in time that has changed everything? And they say we have brought rings. That's normally what we wear. And what a wedding ring becomes is the outward symbol of this transformational work that has happened in your life. And so everywhere you go, you bear witness to this fact that you belong to her and she belongs to you, that you are one, that you are now in relationship, that you have now been changed, and that you are not ashamed for anyone to know that. You celebrate it, and you make the world aware of it. We need that mark in our life. We need that symbol in our life, that we are not ashamed of what Jesus has done. And I love what Paul says to the church among the Romans. Here's what he says when he writes to them in Romans 1.16. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul says, it's the power of God to save and change my life. It changes everything when I believe in him. And I'm not ashamed of that. And I want to ask you that question, are you ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Have you been hiding the fact that Jesus has changed your life? It's easy to get excited when we're among a bunch of people in a church building for an hour a week, but do you live your life not ashamed for anyone to know that you belong to him? Because as people came to faith in Christ, in the early church, they immediately stepped into the next step in their journey. And that was to be baptized. You know what they were doing? 
they were bearing something. They were taking part in something that would publicly show the world that they belong to Jesus and that he belongs to them, that they are together. It, like that wedding ring, was the outward sign of the inward change that happened in their life. That's what baptism is all about. It's declaring to the world that I belong to Jesus and I'm not ashamed for anyone to know it. And so today, today maybe you've been tempted. Today maybe you've been tried. Today maybe you have been holding back in some way, shape, or form. Today is a great day for you to make that public declaration that you belong to Jesus. There are people right now that are going to stand up and we're going to greet them and celebrate with them as they go. But if you're being baptized today, stand up and start to head out and let's celebrate them as they go. And I'm believing that that's just the beginning. Because there's some of us here today, and let's stand all together. Some of you today that you've just been waiting, and I don't know what you've been dragging your feet for. Quit looking for excuses. I love last service because that's what people kept saying. I just couldn't find any more excuses not to get baptized, so now I'm here. Don't let it be that you get to the end of your excuses. But instead, like the Ethiopian eunuch, say, what keeps me from being baptized today? And here's what God's word says, nothing separates you from the love of Christ that's in our Lord Jesus. There's nothing that can separate you. And all that you would be doing today, if you're willing to take that step, is you're coming and you're publicly declaring that you believe in Jesus, that he's your Lord and your Savior, and that you want to follow him with your life. And if you've already said that in your heart, or today's the first day that you've committed yourself to him, then you can be baptized. If you've never been baptized before, I'd encourage you at any time, even if I'm already in the tank, even if people are already being baptized, to take your step, walk out. We have clothes for you. We have everything that you will need. As you walk out of your seat, walk right into the foyer and someone will meet you and they will help you get baptized. We started out the service with nine people. We already are up to 15 people that have signed up before our service even began. And so we're ready to keep adding to that. We're going to celebrate together. If that's you, step right out of your seat right now, and we're going to worship the Lord, and we'll see you in just a moment in the tank.